looking forward to this day right here. Leah already shared a little bit, and, and you guys know their history, but we're celebrating a, a promise today, right? And, this, and look at that promise. You ever seen a promise with that much hair before? I told, uh, I told them a while ago, I've told him a lot. He has the coolest hair ever, like just wakes up that way. I wish it was that way for me. Um, you know, today is, is a special day because as parents, um, you guys are choosing to dedicate yourselves to Cyprus to raise him in the ways of the Lord. And as we begin today, I want to just remind you of some of the responsibilities that God's given you. And you know these things, but it's important for us to say them out loud together and to recognize the significance. Um, today, I love that the Lord has, has, you know, it's not just, you know, Lee and I talked about doing the song Promises this morning, and that was, that was a big deal. But then the children's message this morning, and then today in our scripture, starting Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to talk about the promises of God and the promise of rest. Um, and so it's really neat to see God orchestrate all of this. But, um, you know, you guys have the responsibility to train up Cyprus, to be a man of God, to be an example of Christian living, both inside your house, where sometimes it's more difficult, honestly, than it is when you're outside the house, to provide for, to protect, to nurture him, to become that man that you have prayed for him to be, and to, to make him a part of your family. And I know that may sound like an odd thing to say, but having a baby in the home is very different than not having a baby in the home, right? It changes everything, right? To teach him to love the same Jesus that you know and love so well. To role model for him what that relationship looks like. Today I want to remind you that you're not alone in that responsibility. Most importantly, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you who you're going to need to give you the wisdom, the strength, the love that this little boy deserves. I'm going to hurry up, Cypress. I see you're getting fussy, okay? <laughs> But also you have this church family. You have your family, your moms and your dads, who are now grandparents. And they say thank you for that. <laughs> They've been waiting, okay? This morning you're not dedicating Cyprus as much as you're dedicating yourselves. You are here today to publicly say that you want to raise Cyprus in a Christ-honoring home. And you're asking God's blessing on your ministry as his parents, Okay? So listen carefully, I'm going to ask you several questions, and in answering these questions, I want you to remember that you're making these promises to God. Not to me, not to Cyprus, not to this church, but to God. If you're willing to do these things, just say, we do, uh, after each one. Do you pledge, as followers of Christ, that you will raise Cyprus in a home that emphasizes the importance of a personal, growing relationship with God? Do you promise to show Him God's love to the best of your ability? Do you promise to teach him the truth of the gospel and to pray for the day that he chooses to believe that truth for himself? Church, there is a great role that we play in the lives of Cyprus and Jake and Maddie. We're called to join in this great responsibility by loving them well. Please listen carefully to these promises that you are going to make as their church family today. And if you will, then say we will after each one. Do you pledge as their brothers and sisters in Christ that you will role model the importance of a personal growing relationship with God? Do you promise to help Jake and Maddie teach Cyprus the truth of the gospel and to pray for the day that he chooses to believe that truth for himself? Do you promise to show them God's love to the very best of your ability? Okay. Bethany is our next-gen minister. Come on up. She's got a few things that she wants to share with you. Surprise!
Jacob and Maddie, as part of your preparation for baby dedication, you were reminded of Deuteronomy 6, where Moses instructed the nation of Israel to live out their faith in front of their children. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Moses didn't only give that instruction to the parents, but he told the entire nation to live out their faith in front of the children. So Jacob and Maddie, as a children's ministry, we commit today to walking in this journey with you. We also commit to live out our faith in front of your boys, in front of your boys, in front of your son, <laughs> so that he may one day come to know Christ as Savior. The second thing you were asked to do was to come up with a list that describes who you would like your child to be. This list will serve as a reminder for you to keep the end goal in sight, not to get bogged down by the tediousness of daily parenting, but to remember who God has called you to be as parents and what God has called you to impart on your children. So I'm going to include these now in our blessing over Cyprus. Cypress Douglas, may you come to one day know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh my gosh. <laughs> y'all, y'all, did y'all see the look he gave me? <laughs> I hope that, yeah. May you learn to abide in Christ as you grow closer to him each day of your life. And as you grow, may you be strong, consistent, accepting, gentle, and patient. We love you, Cypress. Amen. All right, and Bethany's put together a certificate of dedication for you guys to sign, and then I'll sign it as well, if you want to do that now. Can you sign and hold a baby at the same time? Mm -hmm. Sweet. Some dad moves right there. <laughs> Unless you want to say something. No. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me specific instructions last week. I will not be saying anything. <laughs> While we're finishing up signing that, if uh, family, life group, if you guys would like to come up, we're going to pray over them in Cyprus. Y'all watch out, Gwen, until I might run over you on the way. Yeah, I shared with uh, Craig and Colleen last, last time we did a baby dedication. I want to share the same thing with you guys, that as you're raising Cyprus, this is your tribe right here. This is the team. I will warn you, when you're having trouble with him around the age 12 to on, your, your parents are going to laugh at you because now it's your turn. So just be ready for that. But as you're raising a child, you're going to very quickly realize that if you haven't already, that it takes a village and this is your village. Right? We're all going to help, but these, these are your go-tos right here. They're the ones that are going to support you and, and love the, the three of you well. So uh, everybody just put a hand on and we're going to pray together. Fathers, we stand before you today. We are promising you and Cyprus, Jake and Maddie, that we will do all that we can in providing an environment in which Cyprus can know you. 
Father, we are completely aware that we are incapable of accomplishing this great task without your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would guide all of us in sharing your love with Cyprus. We are so thankful that you have brought this beautiful family into our body. Jake and Maddie have faithfully walked with you up until today, and we ask that you would continue to give them strength to do so. We ask that you would give them the wisdom and compassion as they journey through parenthood. God, show them your love daily and give them the tools that they need to share that same love with Cyprus. Father, bless this family and their extended family with a love for one another that can only come from you. Father, we love them so much, and we know that you do too, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Only a little. Only a little. See, you did so good. Here. Till I. Till I. Here you go. Isn't that good? Amen. Are y'all asleep? Did y'all fall asleep already? Man, I'm, I'm so pumped for today. We're, we just got done with, with Hebrews chapter 3. We're diving into Hebrews chapter 4. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the promises of God a lot today. And, and I've already kind of told you about how God's been putting that together. Um, I've been t- anticipating this message today because it's one that we all need. We all need reminders regularly of the goodness of God and the promises that he has made to us, his people. Today, we're going we're gonna to walk through the first couple of um, verses in chapter 4. So if you want to turn to that now, you can. Last week, we finished up chapter 3, and the author is encouraging the church not to, to do as Israel did, not to make the same mistakes. And, and I don't know about you in your life, but I, I regularly need reminders not to make mistakes. It seems like often, I don't know about you, but I'll learn a lesson and think, okay, I got that locked down, I understand now, and then a few months pass by and I find myself learning the same lesson again. It's part of our nature, it's part of who we are. We saw last week that Israel's disobedience prevented them from inheriting the promised land. And that was a big deal. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. But we saw that the issue is rather than trusting God who had delivered them, who had provided for them, and who guided them, they chose to listen to the opinions of a few men. And we talked about the danger of that, how God puts leaders in our lives for very specific reasons. But it's also important for us to to go directly to the Holy Spirit. That we can't circumvent that part of the relationship that God has with us because men, women, leaders make mistakes. And we need to, to be constantly talking to the Holy Spirit about that. Our response to God in His direction has a major impact not only in our lives but in the lives of the people around us. And if we choose to walk in a disobedience, there are consequences. If we choose to ignore what God is saying, there's consequences for those actions. And we saw last week that Israel lost the promised land because they were not faithful in trusting God. We're about to see that the author is making a direct correlation to this lesson for our church, which still stands for us today. Um, Michelle, I loved your testimony this week because the Lord's been talking with me about our life groups. And the elders and I had some conversations about it this week when we, whenever we were meeting together and we'll we'll dive on that into just a minute but I wanted to just say thank you because you have brought together part of the message today that I did not intend to say but the Lord did okay God's been speaking that all of us struggle with understanding our call as believers often we look at the people in our lives our life group leaders our pastors our elders our deacons and we think yes there are needs around me but those are the people that God has called to do those 
our culture has lost the understanding of what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. If we're going to follow someone, it needs to be Him. And if we are following Him, it means that we do the things that He does. Each and every follower is called to do just that, to personally follow Jesus each and every moment of every day. That means that all of us are called to care for one another, to serve one another, to be disciple makers, to lead in meetings as God has called you to do so. The term that is often used for that, to describe that as the priesthood of believers, and that's something that we, we seem to have lost in our culture. If you think about it, I grew up in fairly predominant churches, and there was a pastor, and there were committees under those pastors, and those were the people that everybody leaned on to make all the things happen. But what Michelle was describing this morning was they're seeing happening in their lives as they're following Jesus, that God has given each part of the body specific responsibility so that it's not all on one person. We know that. That's not new information for us. But what I'm saying today that the Lord is communicating to, to myself and to the elders is that there's more for us to learn, that we have not arrived yet in our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And it's important for us to discuss that today because as we read the next two verses, I want us to understand the weight of what is being said. Today we're going to talk about God's promise of rest. We talked about all in chapter 3, the results of Israel's disobedience. And often we look in our own lives at the needs around us, at the things that the Lord has said, and we assume that God has called someone else to handle it. And often we don't even put ourselves into the equation and ask the Lord if He has called us to do that. We're quick to assume that it's not our call or responsibility because there's someone else around us who could do it better. We, like Israel, see the needs around us and they think that they're, we think that they're far too great for us to accomplish on our own. I'll give you a good example of that. You know, we had the block party Wednesday night and, and our basketball goal has been tore up for a long time and we needed to get that done. The Lord spoke that. And so we had a lot of trouble trying to find one. Academy here said they had them in stock. I went and looked. There were none. That was a week and a half ago. I looked. I was going to South Louisiana for work this week. And so I checked nearly every academy on the I-10 corridor because that's where I was headed. None of them had them in stock. And so we ordered one from Amazon. Um, when the box arrived, I sent a picture to all our, our volunteers so they could be praying. There were literally parts hanging on the outside of the box. And I thought, there's no way. There's no way. But, okay, God, you're in control. I'm going to go ahead and load this thing up. And Craig Glasscock met me here at the church, and we started unpacking what was left of a box. I'll have to show you a picture later. It was crazy. And the pieces were not all there. And so I called Bethany to, to see how she wanted to handle that. And I'm thinking about how we could you know, Frankenstein that thing to make it functional for Wednesday night. And while I'm having that conversation, Craig kind of disappears and he comes back. And I love that he did this because I wouldn't have done it. And he said, hey, uh, I just called Academy. They got one in stock. I'm like, no, I went there last week. He's like, no, I just, and Craig used to work at Academy, by the way. So he kind of knows how their system works. He's like, no, I just called. They got one in stock. I was like, let's go. So we load up and we get there. And sure enough, the basketball goal that we need is there. But I wouldn't have thought to do that. Because I had already called Academy a week before, and they were like, no, we don't have any. And it looked like they were phasing it out. See, I was leaning on my own understanding of how the system should work. But Craig didn't. Craig knew something more than I did. And he, he called, and we got a basketball goal. And it got put up, and everything works great. Often we find ourselves in situations like that, though, where we think that we've went down all the avenues we could possibly go down. We think we found all the answers that we could. And just like Israel... 
we put, when we're put in those situations, we need to learn to lean on God and not on ourselves. Right? I thought I had all the answers about the basketball goal figured out, but I didn't. Nearly all the things that we're called to do are too much for us to handle on our own. And there's a reason for that. God does that so we learn to lean on Him and not on ourselves. I love that, that one of the lines in the songs today is that God always finishes what He starts. Man, that's something that we need to really get in our hearts and not just in our heads. This is what we see happen with Israel. God sends out these spies, we talked about this last week, into the promised land because He wants them to see how good it is. And he wants them to come back and report to Israel this amazing land that they're going to receive. And all but two come back and say, look, there's some, literally some giants living in this land. And there's no way that we could ever overtake them. And I shared this with you last week, but I want to share it again today for the sake of the visitors that we have with us. But consider their response to God. When the mightiest army in the known world, they watched God drown them in the Red Sea. When they had no water, God provided water. When they had no food, God provided food. God literally led them through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And God says, this is the land that I am giving you. And they send the spies out and the spies come back and go, there's giants there. And they go, we're not going. We're not going. And so the question we have to ask ourselves in thinking about that is how do we respond to God when He gives us a task that is far greater than we are? Do we trust Him? Do we step out in faith? Or do we go, God, that's too big for me. Ask somebody else. I'm not doing it. You see, for Israel, they feared death from their enemies. But we have a different fear. Because we're not, there's not people coming to attack and kill us here in the United States. What we fear is dying to ourselves. Of giving up the rights of our life the things that we want to do for the things that God's calling us to do. Like Israel, often we see those tasks looming over us. And the directive to die to ourselves seems too costly. I don't want to do that because I want to do X, Y, and Z. And if I do what God's telling me to do, I won't have time or won't have the, the ability to do that. Rather than trusting God, we choose to disobey for our own comfort. And we're not alone in that struggle. And God is... Speaking directly to that this morning, hear this encouragement from the author of Hebrews, this is uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. This is what he says. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Listen, right off the bat, we need to recognize that the point that he's making is to look at chapter 3, to look at all of the scripture that we read last week from Exodus and from Numbers. Israel's failure to follow God um, resulted in them not getting the promised rest that God had given them. So then we need to ask ourselves, what is the rest? What is that talking about? What does that mean for us? Does it mean that God's promised rest for us is that we're going to go live in the land of Canaan? No, it doesn't. When I think about the rest, theologians have different, different ideas. But I want you to ask, I want, I want to ask you this. When we think about the idea of rest, what comes to mind? Some theologians think that he's talking about the Sabbath, that one every seven days where we're supposed to take a day and focus on the Lord and rest. Some think it's going to be the return of Christ 
when he comes back and, and takes over the world, and that is the rest. And I think both of those are true. But I think that there's something even greater that he's pointing to here that we often fail to realize or, or at least recognize. The rest that God's talking about, the promise that he's made, is what we get to experience here on a Sunday morning. It's what we get to experience when we go to a life group and we get to pour out ourselves and say, these are the things that I'm struggling with. And people surround us. It's the feeling of a day like today when we get to celebrate with a family who God made a promise that they would have a child. And we celebrate today the birth of that child. That's the rest. And as we look at the scripture, our tendency is to look at it from a negative aspect. But here's what I want us to do today is to think about what it looks like for our lives and the people's lives around us who miss that, who don't get to feel what we feel today as we celebrate the promises of God. The author of Hebrews is not saying shame on you. He's saying, please be faithful. God has made promises to you. He wants to do this for you. But we have to be faithful in return. For Israel, the promised rest was a place of belonging. A land that was promised to Abram. Y'all notice that that was in the children's stuff today? God made a promise to Abram. It was a long-standing promise. It was a place, Scripture describes as flowing with milk and honey. It was a place of freedom from slavery. And do you remember what, what we read last week at the end of the, the, the chunk in Numbers? When the spies come back and Israel falls out on the ground, what do they say? God, you should have just left us as slaves in Egypt. Can we go back there? In church, when we refuse to do what God's called us to do, we are saying in essence, because God has freed us from slavery to the law, to sin and to death. And when we choose to disobey Him, we're saying, God... Can you just send me back to slavery? I think that might be better for me. For us, that rest is a restored relationship with God that allows us to abide in Him. It gives us the ability to know what He's doing. That relationship that Jesus has with the Father that we talk about all the time where He says, I do nothing on my own, but I do what the Father is telling me to do. I watch for His activity and I do that. God's given us that same ability. For us, it's a place of belonging among fellow believers that love one another. It's freedom from the law and from death. And it's a, the ability to lean on God to lead us through life when things are out of our control. When you've got a crane there and you need it to not rain for a lot of days when it's done nothing but rain. That's the kind of stuff that God does for us. God's promise of rest is available us to, to us today and it's going to be available for future generations. It's not like God fulfills His promise just for Israel and then the promise is complete. That promise of God will live forever. Yet it's necessary for all of us to receive this warning this morning. Because there is a possibility of not reaching that rest. There's a real, very real possibility that many who have heard the message of Christ will choose to ignore it. And they will not enter the rest that God has provided for them. The message that came to Israel and the message that came to us is the same message. Israel disobeyed God and as a result, the entire generation forfeited the promised rest. It's necessary for us to hear this warning because so many before us have forfeited the promises of God. They said, God, I know that you have put this call on my life. You've given me this responsibility. You've given me the opportunity to do this. 
but I think I'm good. And we miss out on the goodness that God has for us. Church, hearing is not enough. To know that God simply wants you to do something, you can't just stop there. That's not the end. We must also respond in faith if we're to enter into His rest. Look at, um, or I read this this week uh, in one of my commentaries. It says, the difference between the hearers of the desert and of the true Christian community lies not in the word preached, which for both was a, prom- a word of promise, but in the type of listening performed by each group. You see, the message was the same. But if we look at Israel and we look at the early church, we see that the difference is that one responded in faith because they knew God for themselves. And the other responded without faith because they didn't know God. Remember last week we talked about how when God first revealed Himself, it, it, or not revealed Himself, but when they were at Myra and the water was bitter, and God made it unbitter, and He said to Israel, if you will just do the things that I've called you to do, if you will listen to my voice, I will take care of you. And then later they're on Mount Sinai and God's presence is there and there's thunder and the clouds are there and Israel said, we're scared. We don't want to talk to God. Moses, you go talk to God and you tell us what He says and that's enough for us. Israel missed out on the relationship that God desired to have with them. And and what the author of Hebrews is warning the church because remember, they're being persecuted. They're struggling. He says, if you walk away from your faith, You're going to miss out on what God has for you, just like Israel did. When we compare Israel's failure to the walk with God with the early church, there's a clear difference between the two. And that difference was because of faithful obedience. Joshua and Caleb were the only two of those 12 spies that actually entered the promised land. The rest of them had to stay in the wilderness until they died. The early church experienced the promises of God because they were faithful in following Christ's example to die to themselves and to live for one another. We have the same opportunity to follow God. I was talking with a friend at work this week and we've been really, really busy. And he, we sitting down at the end of the day and discussing our week and how busy and how crazy it had been. And he said to me, he said, Will, you know, I was laying in the bed last night, 1.30 in the morning, asking myself this question. He said, what is all this worth? He said, don't get me wrong, I love my job. But at the end of my life, what does this add up to? Well, that's a question we all need to ask. You know, I love that, that Bethany shared with the Crumps this morning that these things that you, these qualities that you seek for Cyprus to have, we need to keep those in the forefront of our mind because the tediousness of life gets in the way and we lose sight of the overarching theme that God has for us, the call that He has for us as believers. And that's what was happening in my friend's life. He was so caught up in the tediousness that he lost sight of what God was really doing. This guy's a believer and he understands the value of relationships and encouraging people. And so I said to him, I was like, man, Your life adds up to you are providing work. You are loving well all these men that work underneath you. And he's like, man, you know, that's right. The problem is we get caught up in the little details. And we forget about what God has really called us to do. We get caught up in the, but I really want to do this this weekend. And we forget about the fact that God has put us in positions in people's lives to love them well. And so we often need to step back and see what God is doing in the world around us. 
We need to remember that God's call for us is not just for a weekend or for a moment, but it's for our whole lives. And our lives should revolve around that. The author of Hebrews is reminding the church that God had long ago promised rest. God had created us to be in a relationship with Himself, and that relationship is the rest. It's the fact that we can be united through the Holy Spirit with the God of all creation, that He lives inside of us. But some don't benefit, benefit from that because they don't walk with faith. I don't remember exactly what he said, but Blackaby this morning referenced the same, same idea. That we've spent so much time worrying about or focusing simply on salvation and we act like discipleship is something separate. But they're not. When Jesus comes into your life, He makes you a new creation. And that new creation is no longer to be focused on the things of the past. Not to be focused on the things of the world, but to be focused on Christ. To be His disciple. And to share the goodness of what God's done in your life. Our world doesn't need more examples of unfaithfulness. It's filled with that. Yet here's a group of people, a church, who know God, I'm talking about you, who know God, who know how to hear His voice, who can come together on a Sunday morning and celebrate the promises of God. God has primed us. We are ready. We are full of His Spirit. We have testimonies every week of the goodness of God. And that comes from obedience to God. That's why we experience those things. This world needs stories like this. We've titled this this series, Stories Worth Sharing. Because the things that God is doing in our lives need to be shared in the world around us. And again, I love the testimony this morning. I, I would have had the same response if somebody would have just been added to our Facebook feed and been like, wait, what? What's going on? But I love what the Lord spoke through that. Because that person is going to kind of get to experience the Lord vicariously through that group. As we share the stories of God, as we are faithful to do that, the people around us are going to begin to see God the way that we see Him. They're going to get to see that God is a God that keeps His promises. That He is a God that loves His people just as they are. Every one of us has stories that testify to that end and they ought to be shared. So how do we respond to this? Look at at verse 2 again. It says, For this good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith with those who listened. So ask yourselves these questions. How will you respond to God's word this morning? Think about this past week. Did you walk in obedience? Did you do the things God asked you to do? And how are you going to respond this week as the Lord speaks? Are you going to step out in faith? Are you going to be like Joshua and Caleb? And even though you see giants in front of you, you're going to trust the Lord and say, God, I'm I'm in, let's go. Or are you going to live for yourself? As you look at the things of the troubles that loom in your life, remember that and be encouraged that God is faithful. That's what we're celebrating today is the faithfulness of God. When He says something, 
He will do it. And think about the promises He's made for you and in your life. One of the main promises that He's made is that His Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you. And so you don't have to worry about making the right decisions. The only decision you have to make is, am I going to follow or am I not? Ask God what to do and do what He says. As you hear God calling you to die to yourself and to serve others, remember that His promised rest is found in obedience, not in a weekend getaway or anything else. It's found in Him. God wants His absolute best for all of us, but that's found through following Him, not following ourselves. Let's pray. Father, today as we spend time with family celebrating Father's Day, I ask that you would remind us that that rest that we are receiving is because of you, because of what you have done for us. Jesus, your, your love is so incredible. Father, I, I pray that as we think about this message this week, as we think about the things that you have called us to do, the areas of life where we need to die to ourselves, God, I ask that you would give us encouragement, that you would surround us with people who would encourage us to that endeavor. Father, give us the strength and the wisdom and the love that we need to be who you're calling us to be. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen.